Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, then all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for June 30th, 2019. Koyo Kubosa here. So very, very glad you joined us. Uh, <clears throat> the last few days, uh, there's a there's a uh, phrase that's been rattling around in my head, uh, and the phrase is. A sense of place. Now, I don't know where, uh, who coined that phrase, but uh, a sense of place. And I've been thinking about uh, that a sense of place probably comes from agricultural society, from farming, farmers, where you had some land. Huh? Uh, it's where you grew up. Okay. It's your home. You know. Um, and the importance of a sense of place. Uh, and when we talk, say, home or where you grew up, this means uh, your family, being with family, a family's place. Um, and, uh, I, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, when I, I, I bright down center in Corsco, California on six acres of wooded lot, moss covered boulders. Uh, I never take it for granted. Almost every morning when I go out the door early in the morning to go get the paper and the dogs come and they run out. And I, you know, that special time early in the morning, there's a kind of a quietness, a solitude. And, uh, <clears throat> your day has not begun yet. And, uh, your body's not, Activated, you know, and just still waking up. And you look around and you say, Man, this sure is a nice place. 
how fortunate I am to to have found this place. I love this place. Um, and I want to spend, I want it to be a place for, well, I could call it a Mecca, although I suppose that's a Islamic term, Mecca being headquarters. Uh, but a place where all Muslims uh, have feel they have to go to at least once in their lifetime to the headquarters of that religion, Mecca. Um, and this property, this land, uh, might provide that kind of a headquarters, that kind of a home for oneness Buddhism, non-dualistic, non-sectarian approach to the Dharma teachings. This was my father's mission, vision, uh, his calling. Uh, We used to call it American Buddhism, but uh, it's worldwide, it's universal. Not just American, you know. What about abroad? What about other countries? Huh? Uh, includes, but American Buddhism means in the West too, because Buddhism <clears throat> has a lot of roots in the East, India and Southeast Asian countries. Okay? But when we talk about the West, whether it's well, could be European, but uh, America is. Uh, you know, we're a big country, huh? a lot of people, and uh, there have been a lot of movies or novels about the theme of a sense of place, okay? and how struggling farmers, you know, want to keep their sense of place, uh, many generations farm their land you know uh, there's a certain kind of sense of place when you got it across generations and <clears throat> in the old days <laughs> you know when you're in the pioneer days uh, you probably were buried right on your property your eternal resting place. <laughs> so, all of this, I was, I was thinking, <clears throat> uh, there's a certain um, special spots, nature spots, if you will, uh, on our property, where we, there's a sort of a path, gravel, that goes around the back of our property, circles around, and there are several spots there, nature spots. And one of them is uh, there's a clearing, and then we have an altar rock. And then to the right of it, um, there's a small area up there that uh, I thought would be make a nice memorial garden area. Okay, uh, it's not built up. It's not uh, you know polished in any way. Uh, I leave that for the next generation, maybe to put in tiers or railroad ties or something that 
so that you could because it's a slightly elevated area there and a stone bench uh, you can sit down you know just a slab a rock slab not a you know human bench but just a natural bench but you could sit there and and then I, I saw a spot I said hey you know now this is years ago I said hey this is this is going to be my eternal resting place and that gives me a lot of comfort okay, even it doesn't have anything really to do with eternal resting place but it has to do with how I think about that now while I'm still alive uh, scatter my ashes there and then uh, kick off the <laughs> memorial garden kind of a dedication idea and then I had some kind of a <clears throat> uh, flights of fancy and I said well other people could uh, maybe share in that kind of sense of place and uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, we have, oh, I don't know how many, 2,500 people in our oneness newsletter mailing list, and some of them, you know, somehow they found kind of a spiritual connection with us. I would say our spiritual home, maybe it's too strong a word, but, and, you know, I, I some of them, I don't know personally, never met them, don't know who they are, but to this that whole group of our mailing list, our friends, extended family, what if I uh, <laughs> made an announcement? Hey, it, you could put it in your will uh, if you want to that, uh, <clears throat> you know, when someone passes away, the family, the remaining family has to take care of arrangements. And <clears throat> so they probably might have a local cemetery. They might, you know, uh, and so forth. What is the disposition of the ashes? Say cremation. Huh? Uh, <clears throat> they're stored for a while, then they might might be buried in a plot in the cemetery. Okay. But ashes could be split, and you could take a. In fact, they have memento, real tiny. Not vases, but urns, I guess, huh? And you put the cremains in there, okay? And you might have a bit larger one that contains most of the ashes, but you could put in a little memento ones and distribute it to family, or or you could send it to Bright Dawn, <laughs> and we'll scatter your ashes in the memorial garden. Okay? And again, it's not not the physical fact of that place and that your ashes are there, but you, you, you made those arrangements and it gives you a sense of place while you're living. Okay? Not a sense of place like eternal resting place, but it's tied in. You know that this is in your will and, and uh, you're going to be with like-minded people and you're going to be in nature and you're going to be, ha, ha, ha. Hey, okay, okay. <clears throat> I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Doug Cuyo. Uh, Cuyo, I gave him the name, well, you know, the Yo, the line, our lineage of Yo in terms of the Chinese characters, the kanji, 
Yo is a son, S-U-N, not S-O-N, S-U-N, bright dawn, huh? the sun, sunrise, uh, the beginning. Uh, there was a phrase that said, the only true joy in the world is to begin. <laughs> I often think about that. I mean, uh, that's kind of an extreme statement, and there's a lot of other basic important things in life. Okay. But isn't it interesting? When you begin, huh? sunrise, hope and promise, <laughs> that kind of a thing maybe, huh? early morning. And then, of course, the vast sky. That provides a context for the sun, the background. Uh, that's the sun's sense of place. He belongs in, you know, <clears throat> in the sky from where the humans look look at the sun. And so ku means sora in Japanese or sky. And it also is a is a teaching of sunyata of emptiness. The vast empty sky holds all things, holds all kind of clouds, holds all kind of weather, all kind of pressure systems, blue sky, sunny Sunny days, rainy days, stormy days, uh, storming, storminess. But and that is the backdrop. And then you have this. You have the yo, the sunrise. You can have an image of that, you know, of the sunrise in the, in the vast sky. Huh? Ku yo, ku yo, and uh, ku is a. Uh, like I said, sunyata, so that's the core of Eastern philosophy. Uh, when we say emptiness or nothingness in this context, it always means absolute emptiness and nothingness. Not in the relative sense, but in the absolute sense. What does that mean? Hey, you better find out. <laughs> well, Doug Cuyo part of our LM4 group. We're in LM12 now. And uh, this fall be LM13 group. Uh, so we're rolling along. And he, when he went through the program, he was uh, uh, in uh, living in Car- uh, Camarillo uh, outside of LA in Southern California. And, and when they, he and his wife, Patty, when they, when they retired, they moved up to the uh, Seattle area there and, and uh, uh, so they're retired in the Pacific Northwest. Well, let's hear what Doug Cuyo has to share with us. I hope. Hello, everyone. There's a story about me that Reverend Cuyo likes to tell every now and then. I don't know if he did at this time in his introduction, but it goes something like this. A good friend of mine in another spiritual program got exasperated at my fascination with pointless minutiae and said to me, you know, Doug, if there were two doors and one had a sign on it that said heaven and the other a sign that said lecture on heaven, you'd go to the lecture. I don't know why I get so atomistic in my approach to everything. I must have this idea that if I can break a topic down to its smallest constituent units, then I can put all the pieces together to make a whole. My lifetime struggle with trying to play the guitar is a case in point. 
While my brother would jam with others and learn songs by ear, my approach was to study theory and practice every conceivable scale form, thinking music would magically materialize on its own. Some time ago, feeling the need to pursue some armchair Buddhism, I decided to read Shangha Rakshita's monumental survey of Buddhism. Yes, the old lecture on heaven approach. I thought this would be a solid foundation on which to base further study. It was clear to me early on that I was out of my depth, but I soldiered on and eventually finished all 500 plus pages. I guess some of it stuck, but don't ask me what. It reminds me of an old joke where a guy says, I took a speed reading course and finished War and Peace in half an hour. It's about Russia. Much more useful was the Bright Dawn Practicum Reboot that Reverend Coyo so generously hosted during October and November of last year. That course was full of useful practices and teachings like Horsefly Buddha and Toilet Gasho. I remember being so energized that after the last session, I was full of good intentions and made a lot of resolutions that have since gone by the wayside. Which brings me to the present. The last couple of months have been very stressful. My wife, Patty Kayo, her daughter, and I have been getting Patty's house in SoCal ready to put on the market. We found an excellent realtor, but there was a nail-biting wait for a qualified buyer followed by endless inspections, reports, and administrative hoops to jump through. That part is coming to an end, but packing out even this small, uncluttered house has taken weeks. Our progress was interrupted by a couple of medical events that added a little spice to the mix. So is it any wonder that my spiritual fitness took a decline along with my diet and physical and emotional well-being? That's a classical rationalization, of course. At my lowest ebb, I was starting each day after a poor night's sleep by turning on the TV or looking at my cell phone and letting whatever presented itself set my mood for the day. And then some spiritual lifeguard came to my rescue. I was in the garage going through an old box with stuff of mine in it and came across a binder with some bright dawn material I had saved. My lay program application from 2009 made for interesting reading. But what caught my attention was the instruction for setting up a spot, a special place of tranquility, and doing the 21-day daily Dharma program. This involves doing a morning harmony gasho and an evening gratitude gasho and tips for remembering to do them and how to keep track of your progress. There was also a 21-day daily Dharma agreement form which stated your commitment to the program and your promise to carry out the instructions and report your progress back to Bright Dawn. In typical Bright Dawn fashion, the everyday gasho practice is presented in the form of a polite take-it-or-leave-it suggestion. And since I saved this material, I must have had some intention of following the program, but never did. Maybe I thought it was too elementary. As I said in the beginning, I tend to like things complicated, perhaps thinking complexity adds validity. Of course, this reaction was anticipated by our five far wiser teachers. In the program description under important considerations, it says, you may feel, I know about Gasho, what's the big deal about doing Gasho? You may even think that Gasho is something simplistic and perhaps narrow in scope and effect. Well, this time the words were just what I needed to hear and I grabbed onto the spiritual lifeline that was presented to me. 
I made a personal commitment to do the 21-day daily gasho, and perhaps this talk, which will air on day 21, I did not plan that, can serve in lieu of my formal agreement with Bright Dawn. Since the house has been emptied out, I am using a closet as my spot. There are shelves where I have placed a few items like a small Buddha statue, the Om symbol, and a large image of a horsefly. I didn't have a bell at first, but I found a tuning fork in my guitar case. Nothing is wasted. The instructions say be flexible. Of course, I ignored the advice to put up reminder signs, so more than once I have had to get out of bed to do the evening gratitude and gusho. I know the medicine is working. With a morning and evening gusho anchoring my day at both ends, I can anticipate and deal with negative emotions before or soon after they arise. I have the tools. The underlying sentiment of the harmony gusho is described as trying your best to have a spirit of cooperation with others and always being as calm and patient as possible. In the close quarters of our household with three of us tired and stressed, this teaching is particularly applicable. The mention of the gratitude, the message of the gratitude gasho is interdependency. Quote, that one is supported by nature, by other people, by everything. This is easy to lose sight of if I stay in my own head alone with my own thoughts. Then I hand out the credit or the blame to serve my own purposes. So even in the midst of the stress of selling this house and the drudgery of packing and moving, this simple practice is something I can do sincerely and sustain in our currently disordered environment. And when we all hit the road in a few days, I'll pack up my altar in a little box to be ready to deploy in whatever motel closet or bathroom I find myself in. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh... Another, he, Doug Cuyo has shared a lot of his experiences, and they stand out. Uh, when someone tells you a story about it, but something that they experience, you know, uh, it sticks with you. You don't have to try to remember it. And, for example, doing gasho. One time he said, uh, uh, many of us, we commute to work. Okay, so every day we drive, and driving is a is a uh, encapsulated uh, physical space, and you know usually if you're commuting to work you're by yourself, and the physical car you're sort of in a in a capsule. You know? um, and there are a lot of so-called bodhisattvas, other dr rude drivers out there, ready to teach us about patience, uh, about other people's stupid driving. <laughs> uh, this is so common. You know, people get angry and other people don't follow the rules or they're careless or, you know, and there's flare-ups of anger and... Uh, Pretty, pretty terrible, you know. Uh, of course, driving could be, should be kind of restful. I know that um, celebrities or, you know, maybe sports stars, when they drive to the stadium from their home, uh, if they're by themselves, 
they treasure that alone time, that encapsulated time. Because as soon as they get out of that car and they're in the stadium, they got all these fans, they got, you know, the hustle and bustle of their lifestyle. When you get in your car, it's sort of like a meditative space, maybe. Okay. And and so uh, Doug Cuyo was saying about that he's a common type of a driver, always getting upset. And then he told a story that one time he was in an underground parking garage. Maybe it was at the airport or whatever. And he came to an intersection uh, in that parking garage. And the car was co- another car was coming, and they both reached the intersection at the same time. And they both hit the brakes. And for some reason, Doug Cuyo just put his hands together and got show to the other driver. And the other driver was uh, looked like a blue-collar, uh, pretty husky guy, tough-looking guy. But when he saw Doug Cuyo do a gut show to him, he just broke out in a big smile, and they shared a smile, and then they, both of them want the other one to go first, <laughs> to, you know, yield the right away and everything. I thought uh, <laughs> gut show is, is a simple thing, but... It's a tremendous practice. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. Keep God showing. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you.